Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Let me pray for us. Quiet your hearts. It's not an accident that you're here this morning, and I believe that the Spirit of God wants to take the Word of God and do the work of God in us, in you, in me today. Let me pray over us. We invite you, gracious God, to strengthen and encourage us today, to comfort us today. I pray that you would disrupt us, interrupt us today, that you would speak deeply into our hearts where we need to be uh, guided and led and reminded. Father, today, we come with an open heart. And I pray that in these just next few moments that something real would happen in this space, something supernatural, special, something uh, deeply spiritual that we would connect with you, that we actually would hear you whisper to us, that we would know that you love us, that your love's unfailing. So speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. Maybe before I jump into the message, I can say to my mom, I know she's watching, happy Mother's Day. And I'm just gonna tell a quick mom story. Natalie and I, 37 years ago, uh, in the summer of 1985, uh, we're moving to Santa Barbara to take on a new job. We just finished seminary, and we were gonna go work at Montecito Covenant Church up on the hill. And just uh, several weeks before we were to start, I had a 1970 Volkswagen bus with a Porsche engine. Can you believe that way back then? Uh, but the engine died. The car just kind of died. And we're like, how do you start a new job without a car? Uh, without a truck and without a job. I mean, I hadn't got a paycheck yet. It was like, how's this work? And my mother had this old used Toyota pickup truck. And she said, I want you to have it. I want you to have it. I want you to take it. I'm going to donate it to you guys as you start your, your new thing, uh, your new life down in, in Santa Barbara. And uh, so, Mom, thank you for that. And thank you for that story, because that leads to an ask. <laughs> we... Uh, we said goodbye to DJ, uh, as you know, a couple weeks ago. DJ oversaw our setup and takedown teams, and DJ used his pickup truck. And now DJ's gone, so we need a pickup truck. I don't know if anybody has one like my mom did, just kind of your third, fourth car just sitting there and you never use it. But I'm just going to be so bold to say if you've got a, a little pickup truck that you'd be willing to donate, not let us borrow it, sometimes that can be a bigger headache. It's like from the church to here every Sunday, youth ministry stuff, moving stuff. Anyways, if, if you're going, oh my gosh, I got this pickup truck 
in front of my house that's been sitting there, call me. I'll treat you to a cappuccino, and we would love to have that pickup truck. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Now, here, here, here's another little just poke. You might go, I don't have a pickup truck, but I could write a check for one. <laughs> we'll receive that check as well. We're not looking for a new truck. It's just enough to buy an old pickup truck. So you can put that donation in the box if you'd like to contribute to there. If you have a Bible, why don't you open it with me? The book of Acts. I selected this passage, Acts chapter 16. We are in this series that's called From Mild to Wild. From Mild to to wild. And we're going after the mild Christian, the mild Jesus follower, the one that, like I am sometimes and you are sometimes, has that kind of lukewarm faith. We're neither hot nor cold. Revelation, we've talked about that in this series. And that mild faith where we get kind of stuck in our ways, we have a little stubbornness in us where we refuse to take risks. We refuse to jump in. We refuse to stretch ourselves. We refuse to be responsive to opportunities and invitations. And today, our big idea is responsiveness. You know, a healthy faith, a growing faith. People that are maturing are responsive to the nudges and the promptings of the Spirit of God in our hearts that when we hear God's word, we don't just go, oh man, good sermon, John, or ah, I'll give you a, a C plus today, that was okay. Um, instead, you're going, what? You're sitting here right now, praying quietly in your heart, going, God, speak to me today. I, I wanna hear a word from you. I, I, I want to actually hear God speak to me today through the word of God. And then, and then I wanna go out and live it because I know that God has so much more for me for my life, for my family, my relationships, my purpose. God wants me to be set free. God wants me to experience peacefulness in the midst of a stressful, chaotic world and life. God has so much more, but I have to participate in that life with God. And the way I participate is through responsiveness, leaning in. Saying yes, Acts chapter 16, Lydia, Lydia. On the Sabbath, verse 13, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God as she listened to us the Lord opened her heart the Lord opened her heart the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying she and her household were baptized they were responsive and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Persuasive woman, Lydia. She urged us until we agreed. That's a soft way of saying 
she was a leader. What do we know about Lydia? We know that she was wealthy. All the scholars that I read this week said this is a woman who was a business leader. She was a woman of status. She most likely was an independent business owner, a leader in her community, a merchant of rare, expensive purple dye cloth. And she sold that expensive purple dye cloth to wealthy clients in the city of Philippi. And so what does that mean? It means you're not going to find her line at Ross Dress for Less. She's down on Rodeo Drive. She's Dolce & Gabbana. She's Armani. She's Gucci. She is a woman who is a mover and shaker in her community. But it also says that she was a God-fearing woman. So I would say she was religious. She was not only wealthy and a woman of status, a successful woman in the world's eyes, she was also a religious woman. She feared God in a general sense. We find her what? Seeking to know more. She's gathered on the Sabbath day. It's interesting. Luke wrote the, the book of Acts that Luke mentions. It's the Sabbath day, and she gathers with other women in a place of prayer. So she gathers on the Sabbath. She prays, and then it also says that she worshiped God, right? And so then we find her listening to Paul. She's seeking she wants to know more. She's leaning in. She's responsive. She's spiritually hungry. Wealthy, successful, religious. Now just think about that. Wealthy, successful, religious. You think, she's got it all together. And yet, if you read between the lines in this story... There's something missing from her life. There's a hole in her heart that wealth couldn't fill, that religion couldn't fill, that success and status and wealthy clients couldn't fulfill. There's this, I, I, there's got to be something more. And so as we walk through this passage, we're reminded that wealth, success, religion can never fill the God-shaped hole in our hearts for connection with the living God, for purpose, for freedom, for peace. Wealth, religion, success can never heal the abuse, the trauma, the heartache, the hurt that you've been through in your life that's caused you to close your heart, to shut it down. And that's where I want us to land today. I want us to go and I want us to Notice that little phrase in verse 14. If you have a Bible and a pen, you might underline this little line. The Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart. That suggests that her heart was closed. Closed off. Shut off. She was a closed book, we might say. There were parts of her heart that was like, mm -mm. you don't 
get access into that part of my life. Wonder if there's somebody here. Wonder if there's a lot of people here. Because of hurt, because of betrayal, because of heartache, because of being bullied, because of being violated, used, played in business, abused, something shut down inside. Your heart's been closed up, closed off. You don't trust people. You don't trust God. He disappointed you. He didn't answer your prayers. And so you closed him off. You closed us off. And it takes God to open our heart. That's what we learn here. Lydia didn't do it on her own. It says the Lord opened her heart. And I just wonder if this morning God brought you to this place and kind of like Lydia, is it possible that the Lord wants to open your heart today? Are you willing? Are you open? Are you responsive? Are you willing to let God open your heart? Open your heart to a new life. Open your heart to a new purpose. Open your heart to forgiveness, to not living in bitterness anymore but to live with freedom and in freedom. To live a life of love, to love well, to live generously. That's not like this, but leaning into life, responsive to God, responsive to other people. This is the life that Jesus has made you and me for. He wants so much more for us. And he sees you, he sees me, and he knows those parts of our heart that are shut down, that are closed off, that have been hurt. And we tried. And we were shut down. And we were rejected. And we lost. I want you to notice a little verse in John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus said this. He said, all who love me will do what I say. That's responsiveness. When you... If you're a follower of Jesus, you hear God's word, you respond to it. He said, all who love me will do what I say. And, and then listen to this. My father will love them and we will come and what? Make our home with each of them. Make our home. God wants to, Jesus wants to make his home in your heart. Have you ever thought about that? Has that ever occurred to you that, that God through his spirit wants to take up residency and make his home in your heart? The apostle Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. If you have a Bible, you're going to want to underline this. Christ will make his home in your hearts. How does that happen? As you trust in him as you trust in him? Will you trust God? Will you hear his word and respond to it? That's what faith is. I'm not sure I, I want, but I'm going to. I'm going to trust that God knows what's best. I'm going to trust that what God's word says is true. I'm going to trust that the Lord Jesus, actually, he wants to make his home in my heart. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? mean. I have 24 little booklets up here called My Heart, Christ's Home. I want you to raise your hand if you've heard of this book. 
Many of you have, but a lot, I'm so shocked that so many of you have never heard of this book. This little booklet changed my life in college. I read this little, you can read it in 10 minutes. And it changed the way I thought about my faith. Bob Munger was professor at Fuller Seminary for years, but he wrote this book. And I wish I would have taken him. Lori Short, who's part of our church, I don't know if she should, she had Bob Munger. I'm like, why didn't I take him? Man, she loved his class. He wrote this book, and now it's all over the world. But this book, he basically uses the idea of, of Christ making his home in our hearts. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. And I'm, I'm using this idea, not every room that he talks about, but I'm, I'm taking the idea, and I want to talk about five rooms in your heart that God wants to come in and shine brightly and rearrange. You're like, what? There are rooms in your heart that represent issues in your life, that represent relationships, challenges, areas that God wants access to, not to harm you, but to shine brightly and heal you, to set you free, to experience life to the fullest. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, that it might be abundant, full and meaningful. That's God's agenda for your life, if you didn't know. He's not out to ruin your life. But he is out to remodel it a little bit. And so we're going to look at five rooms, and it's going it, 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 to, I'm kind of going to poke a little bit, so buckle up. Are you ready? Moms, it's Mother's Day. I'm coming after some of you, but dads, I'm coming after you too. Here we go. Five rooms in your heart that Jesus wants to rearrange. Number one, the powder room. Now the guys are going, what you talking about? <laughs> Let's just say the room with the largest mirrors. We're going to talk about identity. I want you to imagine this morning that Jesus says to you, give me a tour of your home. Give me a tour of your home. And you take him into this room, the one with the largest mirrors. And Jesus says, I want you to look in the mirror right now. What's the world? What's our culture telling you? What's the message that you're hearing? You're not enough, not cute enough, pretty enough, smart enough, wealthy enough, thin enough. You are not enough. And Jesus would say to you, and I want to just remind you, you know, back in the Psalms, in my word, the voice of God would say to you, and I love this, body and soul I am marvelously made. What a creation. The psalmist says, body and soul, I'm marvelously. He's looking at his life in the mirror through the lens of God. He's listening to the voice of God. The loudest, most influential voice in the psalmist's life is God, not the culture. And Jesus is saying, will you let my voice be loudest when you look in the mirror? Will you let me remind you that you are a one-of-a-kind, priceless, original. What the world tells you, there's lies about you're not wanted, you're not enough, you're inadequate, you'll never measure up, you'll never be loved, you're a piece of crap, you're a, whatever it is, whatever those messages were when you grew up that still you are telling yourself, Jesus says, I want to 
be the loudest voice. Craig Rochelle is a covenant pastor. Actually, he's the pastor of the largest church in America right now, Life Church. He said this, your value is not determined by what people think of you, but by who God says you are. By, who, by God and who he says you are. Last week I was in Kentucky with eight guys from our church. And uh, one part of one day we went to Thomas Merton's monastery called Gethsemane, the abbey there. And we spent a few hours there. We went to a prayer service, had some little alone time. But I, I found myself eventually in the bookstore and trying to think about Mother's Day coming up and my wife, and sometimes I like to bring her back a gift. And I saw this little piece of art, little, just about this big, and it just says, God danced the day you were born. Do you believe that? Just think about that. Let that soak in. God danced the day you were born. You are loved. You are loved. You matter. The mirror, the powder room. Will you let Jesus have influence in that room? A greater influence than the culture, than the world. Will you let him tell you who you are and whose you are? But now I want you to imagine, he says, all right, you got more rooms. Take me, take me to another room. And and you're like, oh, uh, how about the home office? Uh, we got a little home office in our home. And, 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 and the Lord says to you, well, this doesn't look very familiar to me. You, you usually don't take me to work with you. You, you usually leave me at church or uh, at home when you go to work. I wonder if that might sound familiar to some of us. And just imagine the Lord whispering to you, what if, what if you could see your work as a place, as a space in your life, not just to make money, but to make a difference? What if your attitude, your approach, your perspective, your vision for your work life shifted and you brought me into it? Not creepy Christian trying to Tell people they're going to hell, turn or burn, you know, not, not that. How about just being the most helpful, the best listener in the workplace, the one who gives others credit rather than taking credit? What, what if God had an agenda for your work life that was for you to be the example, the one who sacrifices, the one who's the most reliable, dependable, that became your reputation that then people start going, something different about her. And it's because Christ is making his home in your heart and he's influencing the different rooms and this work space, the home office. He's saying, I want you to be the, the most humble person in the workplace the most generous, the best teammate, the one who forgives when your feelings are hurt. I want you to come in every day with a spirit of thoughtfulness, consideration of your teammates, 
the people you work with, not being a bully, not lording it over people if you're the boss, but being the servant leader? What, what if Jesus could influence your work life? That he was there not just to help you make a buck, but, but help you make a difference. He wants to do that. That's the room for some of us this morning. That's why God brought you here. It never occurred to you. Wait, what? I thought church was just kind of, I come, I get a pat on the back, I get kind of spiritually fired up, and then I go live the way I want. Well, news flash, God has more for us. Now imagine Jesus says, well, let's, let, let's go to a different room. Do you got other rooms in this house? It's a pretty big house you got here. Like, yeah, okay, we go to this one. This, this, will, my, this is the kid's room. Mom's the kid's room. He's like, well, what's in there? Well, and you're like, well, it's kind of messy in there. I don't know. I don't know if my kids made their bed. So let's just get in there. Okay, so we, you, you walk into the kid's room, and what does Jesus see? What does he notice? His concern, his desire is... Are you spiritually influencing your kids? I've given these children to you. You're their primary mentor, discipler, influencer. I'm wondering, at bedtime, are there some prayers happening, some spiritual conversations? Car time, bedtime, dinner time. How about now they're teenagers? Do you, are they locking you out? Are they shutting you out? Are you able to have conversations about friends and smoking weed and drinking and priorities and sports? And why are we gone, you know, 40 weekends a year for club sports and I'm in sixth grade, dad, you know, mom? Do we have an answer for that, right? You know, like Jesus wants to have influence in the way we parent our kids. In that kid's room, he wants to shine influence. Again, not to harm us. He has abundant, full, meaningful, rich life for us. Relationships that are close and healthy and growing and vibrant. But he says, you gotta trust me. I want to shine my light in your kids' lives but I've selected and chosen and appointed you to be the primary person in their life, mentor, disciple, or leader in their life. Will you let me have access in this room, in your home, in your heart? And you're like, okay, but I don't know what I'm doing. And Jesus says, that's fine. Just let me lead, let me guide, ask questions. Okay. That's three rooms. We're done, right, Jesus? Are we good? I, th I think there's some other rooms, he says in your, in, you're like, okay, wh wh which one you want? I'll let you pick. He goes, I want the bedroom. Dude, we're not going into the bedroom, bro. We're not talking about the bedroom. I mean, church and Jesus, that has nothing to do with the bedroom, does it? Now, even when I mention that, it occurs to me that some of us, some of you, some of me, I wonder if our heart has been closed down, shut down, closed up. Hurt, disappointment, unmet expectations, feeling 
like I'm inadequate, I'm not enough, I'm whatever it is. Um, God, you, you want to talk to me about that? And I just, it occurs to me as, as I wonder if the Lord might say to you, will you trust me with your closed heart? I see the disappointment some of you have experienced in there, the rejection. And I, I, I've just kind of made that off limits. I'm just surviving that area of my life. And I just can imagine Jesus saying, you know, I, again, I have, I have more for you and your spouse. I want you to be freed up. In fact, Adam and Eve, they were naked and not ashamed at the beginning in Genesis 2. That's his vision for my wife and I. That's his vision for every married couple in this place, that we would be naked and not ashamed. And yet, it's, it's just one of those, like, ugh, I feel like I'm, I'm walking on, it's a little uncomfortable, but it's an important issue for us. And the Lord, I didn't know this back when I became a Christian, the Lord actually has some things to say to us. He wants to lead us into green pastures, into health and vitality in the bedroom. Some of you know a guy in town, his name's Gordy Hess. And uh, Gordy was a pastor in La Jolla for many years, a family pastor, and then became uh, a, a counselor in town. And I, I saw Gordy for many years. You know, pastors, we get counseling. Did you know that? Some of you are like, you hypocrite, just trust God. Well, I trust God and I see a counselor. It works both ways, all right? God uses counselors in my life. Can I get an amen, Dr. Given? <laughs> And I, I, I remember talking to him, and, and, and he gave me these three words. He goes, you know, one of the, one of the ways to just kind of kindle love, passion, uh, fire in your, in your love life and stuff, time, tenderness, touch. Never forgot it. Time, quality time together. You got you to gotta have quality time, finding things you like to do together. That kind of kindles that fire, and then tenderness. Are you harsh? Are you blaming? Are you finger pointing? Do you have these unrealistic demands in the bedroom? Are you harsh? Or tenderness implies gentleness. Curious, not furious. And then touch. Snuggling cuddling, holding hands. It all leads to connectedness, us, we, intimacy. You might try it. Time, tenderness, touch is kind of a beginning pathway to reconnecting if you're feeling like you're going in opposite directions. And then, of course, at the end of the bedroom, you say, thanks for coming, Jesus. Thanks for playing. Have a good weekend. And he goes, what's that smell? You're like, what? Feels like a foul odor coming out of the hall closet. Oh, yeah, don't worry about that. There's nothing in there. He goes, no, 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 no. And you go, well, I'd be embarrassed to 
unlock that closet. Wait, you locked it up? Oh, yeah, there's keys to that closet. Nobody gets in there. And this comes from My Heart Christ's Home. Jesus says, I, I want access into the closet. It's the secret life. It's that area of your life that if we all knew, you'd be humiliated, ashamed. Might have to do with addictions that are secret. Might have to do with past pain, your story that uh, maybe you're embarrassed about. It's the dark stuff. It's the dark stuff. And God wants to shine a light in that dark stuff. Where there's shame, he wants to bring healing and freedom. That's his agenda. That's his desire. He didn't come to bring judgment. He came to bear judgment. That's what the cross of Jesus is all about. He's not here to judge you. He's here to take that judgment on himself and to set you free. But you and I have to be responsive. We got to give him the keys to the closet. All right, Lord, I'm scared to death, but I trust you. I'm going to give you the keys to come in here and help clean this foul smell in my life. That odor, that, that, that secret, I, I give you access. Come in and shine. So those are the five rooms. And I'm going to stop now and I'm going to close this message up. By, I mean, I guess I could talk about the garage and the man cave and the kitchen and, you know, but we'll save that for another talk. But what about this idea of the Lord opened Lydia's heart? Let's go back to that. Why don't you bow your heads with me? I'm gonna, I'm gonna guide you right now. I wonder if there's somebody here whose heart is just closed to God, disappointed in God. He's just let you down. In your mind, you feel like he wasn't there for you. You lost a loved one way too soon. And today, maybe your prayer is, God, open my heart so I can believe again and hope again and trust again. And then there's others here, our hearts closed off and closed down and to other people in our life, to family, to close friendships. We've We've closed people off because of hurt, because of an ouch, a misunderstanding, because we felt betrayed. I, I, I don't know your story. I know my story. I got some people in my life that I've shut out, that I've closed, closed it down with. And I wonder if maybe the Lord today is saying, forgive again. Forgive again. Key word, again, forgive again. Let me open your heart to try again, to pray again, to love again, to ask again. And so maybe just where you're seated, maybe put your hands on your lap there and, and with a closed fist, but imagine that closed fist is your heart. It's your closed heart. tight, it's closed up, there's no access, there's, 
And today, maybe each of us in faith could just open our fists as a way to say, God, would you open my heart? I'm willing, I'm responsive, I'm a yes, but I can't do it on my own. I need you to open my heart. And so, Father, you see our hands, and I pray and proclaim faith over this whole auditorium, and I pray for unfailing grace, love, mercy, new mercies that are every morning, I pray that they would be alive and at work in this space, in this room, this Mother's Day. I pray for healing where there's wounds and scars and ouches and distrust and betrayal. God, I pray for life change, for transformation, heart and mind. I pray that the Spirit of God and the Word of God would do the work of God in me and in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have 24 booklets up here. And uh, when we, we're going to sing a couple songs, but if you're at a place in your life where you're like, I want one of those books, you just get out of your chair. It's, it's going from mild to wild for some of you, getting out of your chair and walking down here and saying, I, I, I want one of these books. I want to invest in my spiritual life and read my heart, Christ's home. You just get up. I love it. You just get up when you're ready and you come get, there's only 24. We're going to sing. Let's stand together and respond. <laughs>